share with us that we are in this series called To Be Continued. His wife helped him there because there's a slide. We're continuing to see God through the power of His Holy Spirit build His church. Here in the school hall, in Enchia churches, in Methodist churches, Baptist churches, charismatic churches, God is continuing. How? Through the power of His Holy Spirit. And I think that's the key. We've got to make sure that His Holy Spirit is the reason for His church that's continuing to build His kingdom. So we're in the book of John. Grab your Bible. John chapter 7 today. Books, your Bible there, bud. Yeah. Have some water. You look thirsty, bud. I did that for a reason, not in any way being arrogant, but there's, there's purpose behind you getting this bottle today. And so keep this bottle today. Even if you drink the bottle, keep it. There's a reason why you see the word thirsty on your bottle today. We're in John chapter 7, verse 37, just like the Boeing 737. So that would be helpful in remembering this verse. And if you don't have your Bible, get your smartphone. There's that app that we've been using. It's absolutely incredible as you see the notes through the message this morning, push save, and you can look at it during the week. But this is what it says, John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty, say thirsty. Here we go. Let anybody who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes, say that, whoever believes. That's important. You've got to know that. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Just think of the floods we've had the last couple of days, maybe last week or two, coming down from Loskop Dam, that beautiful white water flowing down the dam wall, the vol, uh, that other Kharib Dam, that beautiful water flowing in, into those rivers. Rivers of living water. Water will flow from within them. So the last greatest day of the festival, Jesus stands up and he says this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, so now John is busy giving an account, now a commentary on what Jesus has just said. John says, by this, Jesus meant the spirit whom those believed in him were later to receive. So he makes the statement, whoever's thirsty, come to me, rivers of living water will come up from within you. Then John says, just so we clear what Jesus is actually talking about here, he's talking to us about the Holy Spirit. But he has a question. Is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit that comes into your life the minute you accept Jesus as your Savior? It's like a once-off moment. Or is Jesus talking about something else? So if you're standard grade like me, my mom says I'm not, I am, I'm standard grade, because I'm not clever enough to come up with these messages. As I've shared with you before, I was telling Mike last night, 3CR and other pastors who we have a relationship with, they help me with these messages. And so if you stand a grade like me, you've got to look at the Bible. And what is Jesus talking about here? Is it the once-off moment where you're down on your knees in COVID like my mate Steve, him and his wife, lockdown, and they get down on their knees in their lounge and they ask Jesus to come into their life as their Savior and the Holy Spirit comes upon them? 
Is, is he talking about that? I did a wedding on Thursday afternoon in, in Cullinan, and I liked taking the back roads. And I was driving along the back roads towards Cullinan, and I saw these beautiful cows on the side of the road. And there's this small, stupid little barbed wire fence that, that's between them and the, and the road. I'm thinking, heck, if these beautiful cows, I think they might be cows, even like the Palapala cows, those expensive ones, if they get out onto the road, then who, who's going to know who they belong to? And they're just going to, you know wander down the road. And I was wondering, in today's times, do they still do what I think they do? They take that hot iron thing, you know, that thing, and then they, they burn that mark in the, in the car, that, that tsst, like that tsst thing onto them. I wonder if they still do that, showing, showing the cows who they belong to. Maybe they still do. I don't know if they do that, the palapala cows, but that's what I think they used to do with the cows, marking the cow, saying, that cow belongs to that farmer. You know what it says in Romans 8? It says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you don't belong to Christ. Boom. It's quite a big statement, eh? If you do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you don't actually belong to Christ. Ephesians 1 says, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you are marked with a seal. Like the cow, you're marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit. So when you give your life to Jesus, that once-off moment, you become a son or a daughter of His, you have the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. So that's the one side of this. But on the other side, the Bible's talking about these moments, these continuous moments where you are filled again with the Holy Spirit. Like, for example, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus' disciples, they, they were His disciples, they were marked, they had the, they had the seal, but they in the upper room... I think my mom's been to the upper room. They say it's magnificent. The, 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 the presence there in that upper room is amazing. They're in the upper room, and they're busy praying, and it says there that the Holy Spirit came upon them like tongues coming from heaven. The Holy, so they have this moment again when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then in Acts chapter 4, a couple of days later, same group of people, they're meeting in another place. They're having a prayer meeting. Just at the end of the prayer meeting, the building starts to shake. The Holy Spirit comes upon them again. So there's these continuous moments again and again and again of being filled with, with the Holy Spirit. There's these two types of encounters. Once off and then being filled, present, continuous tense again. And this is the one that we're going to focus on today. This is what Jesus is talking about. Here, being filled again. Being filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. So this is John 7. It's talking about people who've already given their lives to Jesus. So if you haven't got to that place of giving your life to Jesus, this isn't quite for you this morning. This is for Christians who've already accepted Jesus and belong to Him. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink, and you will be filled, with, and rivers of living water will flow from within you. So, so what does Jesus actually mean when he says, you will be filled and rivers of living water will flow from within you? I'm sure depending on your church experience, you have different pictures of, of, your, of what this means in your mind. So maybe like me, you remember going to church and you remember coming to the front and you remember somebody praying for you. Yes, it is that, but it's much deeper than that. 
Maybe you've seen people who have been prayed for and they are completely overwhelmed, overcome with emotion. Yes, it is that. But it's way, way much deeper than that. And so this is what I want to talk about. How do we come to know the gift of the Holy Spirit? That's the question this morning. Not based on your experience. Not based on, yeah, well, when I went to church, they prayed for me and this happened. Not based on hearsay. Based on what Jesus says from the Bible today. And so this is it. If you've got your Bible, it's right there. Boeing 737, verse 37 of John 7 says, it says, Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. How do we come to know the gift of the Holy Spirit, Hugo? Jesus says, you need to be thirsty. He says, you've got to be thirsty. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty, Trevor? The, the word thirsty in Greek means to suffer from thirst. Some of you know mates at the 94.7, it's hot today, and they've got to make it to the water point. They've run out of water. The Greek there means to suffer from thirst. And we're talking suffering physical thirst. This is spiritual thirst that Jesus is asking. It, it means when you get to that place where you're thinking, really? Is this it? I, I've given my life to Jesus. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. I've accepted my heavenly Father as my Father in heaven. Is this it? Now what? There's got to be more to it. That's what he's talking about. Church. I go to church every now and again, maybe every second, third week. But you know, is this, what, is this all that Christianity is about? Is, is, this, is, this, is, this cut, is this what it's cut out to be? Surely... There must be more. Surely. I mean, you close your eyes and you pray. And you're thinking, but I'm praying to the creator of the universe. This God that is the God of all gods. Is, is this it? Is this surely? It's got to be more to that. Surely there's more because you're thirsty. And you're eagerly longing for the things of God in your life. You're longing for your soul to be refreshed. So in order to unpack this, let's go and see where it starts. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and rivers of living water will flow from deep within. Have you ever, ever met somebody in, in, in your life who's really, really, really thirsty for Jesus? Have you? thirsty for a specific situation. They're desperate for some area of breakthrough in their lives. There's something in their lives that they are just so thirsty for Jesus to do. They've run out of options. You know, people have gone to this person, gone there, gone there, and, and, and applied there and done that, and, and now they're completely desperate, and they're so thirsty for, for this area, this issue, situation in their lives, and they've realized, you know what, eh? Jesus is the only solution for me. And, and they've come like you have now, and you've taken a sip of that. Have you ever met someone like that? Yeah, I remember a lady in Freedom Church many years ago, maybe three or four years ago. She phoned my wife on one of the nights this week. And I was trying to multitask while I was preparing for this message to hear what they were saying. Your wife's a good multitask at the back there too, and he's Tracy can multitask on that AV screen. I can't multitask, but I was trying to hear what they were saying. Because I remember this lady three or four years ago. Your, your daughter-in-law, man. I remember, 
as church finished, she was like a salmon, same color of your shirt. She, she, she came running to the front, and all of the people were walking out. She was trying to swim upstream. She came running here. She was weeping. There were tears flowing from her cheeks. I'll never forget. She says, Daryl, I need Jesus. That day, that lady was thirsty. She was thirsty for Jesus. And she, she prayed here. I didn't pray. She prayed. And, and then you think, okay, so she walked out church, and her life completely changed, and she started living her best life now, and everything's completely, no, 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 no. That's the prosperity gospel. Christian life is tough, friends. Her circumstances didn't change. But something happened here when she was thirsty. Something happened. She had an encounter with Jesus that gave her perspective. And she left here being filled again with rivers of living water. As she left and faced the same challenges, the same things that she was going through. But she'd met with Jesus that day. Why? Because she was thirsty. And I ask you today, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? I heard about a man in the business world, he was called into a meeting. They were actually trying to kick him out. Management we, 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 we didn't want him anymore. And so there was this hectic meeting that he went into, sitting around the table in the boardroom, and yo, it wasn't going well. And, and how I hear the story that he, at the most tense moment in this meeting, asked if he could be excused to go to the bathroom. And he went, he went to the bathroom, and he came back into the meeting, and he made one comment that changed the whole atmosphere, the whole situation of where that meeting was going. And so a colleague walked him out after the meetings and said to him, what happened when you went to the bathroom? When you went to go and drop the kids off at the pool and you went to go and drop a liter off, what happened? Because you came back into the meeting and things were changed completely. What happened there? He says it was like, man... And he smiled at his friend and he said, I didn't need the bathroom. He said, I went into the bathroom and I sat on the toilet and I put my head in my hands and I cried out to God to give me wisdom, to give me discernment in what to say when I came back into the meeting. That man was thirsty. He was thirsty for the Holy Spirit. He recognized he had such a desperate need. I can't do this in my own strength. God, you're going to have to break through. I need your wisdom. I need your power, Holy Spirit. It was available. It came to him because he was thirsty. And so Jesus says, that's where you start. That's where you start, ma'am. I see you visiting for the first time today, and you stood up here for that relationship issue. That's where you start. You've got to be thirsty. Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Are you? Am I? Are we thirsty? Let me tell you about Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a theologian in the UK. Clever oak, he knew the Bible, but he was also a medical doctor. And, and this is what he says. He, he says that, that the greatest outworking of the Holy Spirit in your life is that it will affect your face. You walking with your wife this morning, there was a glow on her face. Now, now for me, I got happy to read that because then I don't need to ask my wife to book me in for Botox because my face will be lacquer. How I, I think of these pastors around the world, they got both. Maybe I must go for Botox and fix my face here, yeah, and then I'll be a, 
I'm not into that stuff. I want, I want this. I want the Holy Spirit to affect my face. I, I want the glow of the Holy Spirit upon my face to be, to be present when I come into contact with people. You know, when you get, I'm, I'm busy walking a road with someone. They've, they've given their life to, to Jesus. There's a change in them, man. You can say what you want. There's, there's something that outwardly you look at them and think, what, what's different about you? You've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. There's a glow on your face. It starts when someone is thirsty. And those rivers of living water will begin to flow. Why? Because you're thirsty. You're thirsty for Jesus. This is what he says. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from within you. And just in case you don't understand what these living, living waters are all about, John's pointing out that these rivers of living water are the Holy Spirit. So the first thing, let's get the first thing clear. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. He doesn't say, let the pastor come to me and drink. He, he doesn't say, if you've been coming to church for a certain period of time, then you can come to me and drink. He doesn't say that. He says, anyone, anyone who believes in me. But the word that Jesus uses is any one. He's talking to the one who believes. He's talking to you, Tarot. If you believe, he's speaking to you, the one. He's talking to you, Cindy, this morning. You sat there during worship. You were remote. He's talking to you. And he's asking you, Clive, he's asking you. Are you thirsty? So I see you sitting at the back doing the things of God. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you thirsty? Bernadette from Shofar in Wellington. Are you thirsty for Jesus in Benoni today? He's talking to me saying, Daryl, are you, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? That's the question. I'll tell you a story about when I was a little picky, a little blighter here in Benoni. I don't know, I must have been two or three years old. And I remember my folks did something very traumatic. They put my brother and I on an SAA airplane alone, unaccompanied, to fly to Durban to have a week's holiday with my aunt in Toti. I mean, who does that these days? <laughs> you, you put your kids on an airplane unaccompanied, you send them. I must have been, I don't know, maybe eight, maybe eight years old. And we get on that plane, it was incredible. I mean, and it was the first time I'd ever flown on an airplane. And I remember sitting there with my butt and you get that G-force. When you sit back there, you got my belt on. It was amazing, quite scary. But, but that wasn't the traumatic part. You, you know what was the traumatic part for me with my butt on the airplane for the first time alone unaccompanied? It was that um, bell goes off, you can undo your seatbelts, and the oaks start lighting up a cigarette next to me. I was like, but, check these oaks, they're smoking on the airplane. I mean, the smoke's busy going through the cockpit. How's I going to check? And we're going to... I couldn't believe it. No wonder in 1980, what, what, 87, I think they banned smoking on the airplane. SAA tune, nah, we're not having any smoking on the airplane. And why do you think they did that? 
Why, why, do they, why do you think they banned smoking on the airplane, or they banned smoking at Doppia Zero, they banned smoking at the Wimpy, they banned smoking at Lake Summer? Why did they do that? You know why? Because studies show that 48% of people who live or are in contact with chain smokers suffer from the same sickness, the same disease, the same heart ailments, the same pregnancy issues, the, the same addiction, the same high blood pressure as anyone else, and they haven't even put a cigarette to their lips. So, no wonder they ban smoking. And Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Because you can come to church today, ma'am, and you can book your kid in at Freedom Kids, and you can miss a bicycle ride, and you can raise your hands during worship, same symptoms as the person next to you, but you're not thirsty. You've got the same symptoms, but you're not thirsty. And you can come and give your tiles up here this morning, and you can walk in front of somebody who is thirsty, but you've got the same symptoms. I'm giving my, but you're not thirsty. And you can sit with your notebook, and you can make notes so that people think, oh, you're, you're quite a good Christian. Hey, you can do all those things, but you're not thirsty. The Holy Spirit hasn't crossed your lips. Powerful analogy, eh? You're not thirsty. You're sitting with the same symptoms, but you're not thirsty. You're not desperate for the thirst of your soul. And the sad thing is you've got the bottle today. You've got the word in front of you. You come to church where God is given freedom here to move with his presence in the Holy Spirit, but but you're not thirsty. You walk out here. You haven't drank. You wonder. You wonder why Christianity is boring, eh? You wonder why you come to church, but there's, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm going through. You wonder why. Because you, sir, have not come to drink. And you can sit with the same symptoms as everybody else here. For the next 20 years, nothing will change in your life unless you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, another week and another week and another week is going to go by. And you're wondering what's missing. You're not thirsty. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. I was reading this week again in 1 Samuel about an incredible lady, Hannah. She's married to a man called Elkanah, and her husband's got another wife, Penina. I like to call her the piranha, because the piranha, Penina, she's trying to provoke Hannah. She's trying to have a dig at her whenever she can, because the piranha, she can have kids, but Hannah, she can't have children. And Hannah gets to a place in her life that this is affecting her so tremendously, she starts developing an eating disorder. Her life is at her wit's end. And so she comes to church, and she sits in church. And she's, she's so thirsty, her soul is so dehydrated, she can't even pray out loud. She's praying in her heart, but she's sitting, and her lips are just moving. And the priest looks at her, and he says, listen, sweetheart, leave the wine at home. You're drunk. Go home. You can't sit in church uh, under the influence. And she says to him, I'm not drunk. She says, I haven't been drinking wine or beer. Go and read it. It's in the Bible. She says, my soul is in anguish. She says, I am so desperate for the things of God in my life. That lady was so thirsty. She sat in church. 
She, she couldn't even pray out loud. She was thirsty for the things of God in her life. And in an incredible way, God turns things around in her life. She has a son named Samuel, who the whole trajectory of the Bible works around in being a prophet, speaking life into David. Things are changed. Why? Because this one woman in church comes on a Sunday. She's desperate. She's thirsty. What if you're the one, ma'am? What if you are the one, ma'am, and you're so desperate for that situation? Yes, you stand, but you're thirsty. You can't even pray. You're crying. What if you are thirsty today? What could happen in our city today if you're thirsty? What could happen in your cycling group, sir, if you are thirsty for the things of God? Your, your situation, sir, in business, in relationships, I'll see you there. You're thirsty. What could happen if you are the one? Like Hannah who sat in church. And I don't know what you've tried to use to quench your thirst. Maybe it has been alcohol. Maybe it has been pouring your life into work. Now that's the only thing I just six to six, twelve hour days. I mean, I don't know what you've been trying to quench your thirst with today, but I say to you today that the only thing that will quench the thirst of your soul is rivers of living water. It's available to us today. It just took one lady with a deep, desperate thirst to cry out for God, and those rivers of living water flowed in her life. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thinking, oh, I'll come to church, oh, I'll miss the 94, and I'll come to church, we'll just sing quick 20 minutes of uh, some songs, and then we'll have a coffee, and we'll go home, I can watch. No, no, no. Are you thirsty? thirsty. He says, Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Again, I ask you, how do you come to know the gift of the Holy Spirit? You've got to be thirsty, Vicky. You've got to be thirsty. But notice what Jesus says next year. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come, Jesus says, come to me and drink. He, he doesn't say, Ian, bring your family to church on a Sunday and come to church and drink. He doesn't say that. He says that anyone who's thirsty come to me. And when I looked up the original Greek, I was quite interested to see that it didn't say, let anyone who is thirsty come to my mother Mary. He says, come to me. Jesus says, come to me and drink. Michael Eaton, he's a legend of a Bible scholar. He talks about this verse. Have it on the screen there. Swayze, you got it. Is it working today? He says, if you want the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, you will find the outpouring of His presence as you fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Leave it up there for a while, Swayze. I must read it again. Because, so if you want the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, you want it, friends. Are you thirsty? Do you desire that? You will find the outpouring of His presence as you fellowship I like that word, two fellows in one ship. You're sailing tomorrow into big storms in your life, sir. The water's high, big waves. Two fellows in one ship. Is he in your ship? Is the Holy Spirit with you tomorrow? Are you thirsty for that? Rivers of living water. How do we come to know the gift of the Holy Spirit? We pursue the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, how I speak to myself. Because the first thing I do on Monday mornings, you know, I'll quickly check Twitter, what's happening, what's the news, what, am I thirsty, Daryl? Maybe I must put this bottle next to my bed. 
Maybe I must put it on my dashboard. Maybe I must put it in the fridge as I open up the fridge. Not the coffee. Are you thirsty, Daryl? Thirsty for the things of God in your life. Let's go back to this verse. Let's just recap again. This is how Jesus, how it starts. On the greatest day of the festival, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem. We're talking about the pinnacle of religious activity. Sunday, fun day, you've washed the car, you've put your nice church shoes on, you've come to church. This is it. And the greatest day of the week, Jesus gets up and with a loud voice, he says, is anyone thirsty? And I wonder today if Jesus is not perhaps in this school hall on the pinnacle of a Sunday before we start our week. And in a loud voice, I wonder if Jesus is not up here saying, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Because if you come to Jesus and drink, he promises that the Holy Spirit will be with you and that rivers of living water will flow from within this week, I had the privilege of doing a, a wedding for one of Michelle's friends. It was a special wedding. She's chosen a guy to marry that I've known for a number of years. Through a process in his life, sometimes tough, sometimes hurt, sometimes he's come to know the Lord Jesus as his personal Savior. And how I met with him the day before his wedding, and he starts telling me about this relationship with Jesus that he's discovered with his life with his joy, where he says, I thought it would be boring, but it's not. He shares how he's learned how to make his wife, first and foremost, a daughter of God and, and treat her with respect. There's something that's changed in this man's life. Because why? He got to a desperate point in his life where he was thirsty. i close with this story as the band comes up. September. 1977, NASA launches Voyager 1. It's a proper story. And so this rocket gets sent into space to go and explore the great beyond. Back in 77, this thing hits 50 times the speed of sound. It's amazing, eh? 1977, they make this thing go 50 times the speed of sound. And to date, this rocket has covered 23 billion kilometers. Now, we all might be able to comprehend the, the value and the distance of a billion, okay? This thing to date has covered 23 billion kilometers. It's a lot, eh? But actually, it's only traveled one light year away from us. Try and put that into perspective. It's puttering along at 50 times the speed of sound. you know how fast that is? 65,000 kilometers an hour. And you know what this rocket is going towards? It's going towards the closest star called Proximus Centauri. Somewhere out there is this star, and this rocket just puttering along at 65 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers an hour. Hopefully we'll get there. You know when it'll get there. 70,000 years time. And so in 70,000 years time, it won't give us feedback because we'll probably be with Jesus, but it'll give people who are coming after us, unless Jesus comes back first, it'll then in 70,000 years time give feedback about this star that it's traveling towards. You know what scientists tell us? That the universe is 93 billion light years across. 
I, I can't understand that. Scientists say that the universe is 93 billion light years across. And you know who created that? You know who created the universe with one word? Our Heavenly Father. Just like that, He created the universe with one word. And that same word spoken is this scripture that His love for us is as high as the heavens. That's how massive and far His love is for you. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so is God's love for you. Talking 93 billion light years, it's a lot, eh? That same voice says, as far as the east is from the west, I have removed your transgressions. I have taken that away from you, and I will never bring it up again. He removes your transgressions 93 billion light years away. God, it's massive. And in the context of today, friends, he also says, he gives his Holy Spirit without measure. Think about that. He gives his Holy Spirit rivers of living water to you and to you and to you without measure. We measure 93 billion light years. He says he gives us the Holy Spirit without measure. What's stopping that in your life? You're not thirsty. You're not thirsty. And so the question I ask all of us today, are we thirsty? Are you thirsty? How thirsty are you for the Holy Spirit without measure? Tomorrow and again next week and again the week after and next year, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? That's the challenge today. And so I would love you with me to take your bottle and to stand with me and to sing with the band as we close today, declaring, saying to Jesus, because he asks you, are you thirsty? Is anybody thirsty? And so as you stand with your bottle, singing, saying, Jesus, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for rivers of living water to flow from within. Jesus, no.